Welcome to the We're Better Together podcast. I'm Ian Stevenson. And I'm Katen Garcia. On this show, we talk to real people, have honest conversations, and hear profound stories where unity is emerging. As you listen, our desire is to equip and encourage you to catalyze unity in your community, church, business, team, family, or marriage. We are so glad to be on this journey with you as we discover how we can work better together. Let's jump into our content. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. We have an incredible guest, Glenn Packiam, a pastor at Rock Harbor in Costa Mesa, also uh, author of The Resilient Pastor, and he also has a podcast called The Resilient Pastor as well. And we're going to hit on a few topics, including family, this incredible organization in Colorado called Because I Love You, and a few other things. So, Glenn, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and intro um, or let our guests know who you are. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Caitlin. Thanks, Ian. Good to be with you today. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm new to Costa Mesa. Moved here at the end of August of 2022. Uh, prior to that, I lived in Colorado Springs, and I was there for 22 years. My wife and I, um, this summer, will be celebrating 21, uh, sorry, 22 years of marriage. Nice. We have four kids, uh, 18, 16, 13, and 11. Girl, Sophia, Nora, Jonas, and Jane. And uh, yeah, we were at a wonderful church in Colorado called New Life Church. And you know, when you stick around a church staff for 22 years, you kind of they kind of make up roles for you to do after a certain time. So I started out in the worship ministry, did that for about eight uh, or nine years, and then transitioned to being like a teaching pastor. Led one of our services, and then in 2012, we planted a campus called New Life Downtown. And and uh, New Life does campuses a little differently, where it's all live preaching. Every every campus, quote unquote, is a little different than the other. So I led that New Life Downtown for ten years, and then the Lord called us, really got our attention, and called us here to Costa Mesa to serve at Rock Harbor, and we're so thrilled. We're thrilled to be here. Awesome. So Glenn, you've uh, facilitated that battle for unity in multiple contexts, right? Yeah. Your family, uh, a campus that you were leading. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're doing it here in Costa Mesa with mm. Rock Harbor. Mm. Um, but I, I want to refer back to something you mentioned in Colorado Springs mm. that I know you were a part of was Cause I Love You, which is Colorado Springs kind of working together yes. as the body of Christ to yes. represent and make a difference in the city. Could you tell us a little bit about what it was like for you being part of that yeah. kind of movement of unity and what some of the challenges and and frustrations were, but also what some of the successes were. Well, let me give a little context to Colorado Springs. So some people may know this, but there's a lot of Christian ministries in Colorado Springs, and in the late 90s, some of those ministries and churches unified around political um, motivations, and I'm not going to comment on whether that was good or bad, but that was the rallying call in the late 90s. And our church, New Life Church, was a big convener of that. It was, let's pass this certain... You know, uh, you know, ballot, yeah, ballot item or whatever. And I think what resulted from that is it, it was cause driven in a very narrow way. And so we created some enemies in the city. People thought Christians were just a, uh, basically an arm of the Republican Party or we, they were just about, uh, you know, this message or this, you know, this agenda item. And, and then the founding senior pastor at New Life Church, Ted Haggard, had a pretty public moral failure. And I had been on staff about six years when that happened, 
And so New Life really disappeared from, from public leadership in the city. And, and we also recognized when our new senior pastor, Brady Boyd, came in, we also recognized that we were using our voice for these sort of you know, campaign cause-oriented things and not in a service-oriented way. And, and we, we needed to repent of that. So let me just, I just wanted to give that context. Is sometimes churches yeah. create unity, but they do it in a way that's not oriented around Christ-like servanthood. It's, mm-hmm. it's oriented around some sort of domination, uh, uh, pushing through an agenda. And so we, through our own kind of experience, began to, to learn what it means to walk with a limp like Jacob did and to embrace this kind of humility. And in that process, God raised up some wonderful leaders in the city that began to step up and change the tone of the church in Colorado Springs. And one of those people, it was First, First Presbyterian Church, downtown Colorado Springs. You know, they've been around 150 years or whatever, and they had this longstanding tradition of a city-serve day. And it was a city serve weekend. It was just first pres. It was their thing. Well, out of their generosity of spirit, they began to say, "Could we get some other downtown churches to join in on the city serve weekend?" So at that time, I was leading New Life downtown, and they were kind enough to say to us, "You want in on this?" And we were like, "Absolutely, let's let's get in on this." You know, so there was a bunch of us downtown churches that that started participating in city serve. And then um, over time, some other leaders began to get involved and said, man, let's broaden this. And then someone rebranded it to Cuz I Love You. COS is the our airport code, you know, so Cuz I Love You. And other churches began to get on board with this. And I'll never forget one, one year we had like a, it was like a Thursday luncheon with the pastors in the city. The mayor came to speak to us. And I was asked to just share some reflections, and I didn't really know what to say, but I thought maybe the right thing to say is to acknowledge uh, how me as a representative of New Life, how New Life has had the wrong tone in the city. And so I just said, I said, guys, I just want to be up here to say that we want to trade in a megaphone for a towel, mm-hmm. that our voice of unity has been, the unity has been a megaphone where we've tried to yell at the city instead of our unity being in the form of a towel, Jesus, you know, taking up the towel and washing feet. And all I was doing was putting some language to the posture that the church in Colorado Springs was taking. And it's been a beautiful journey, man. That's awesome. You know, I I just hear in your response there the importance of humility. Mm -hmm. And humility is so key to facilitating unity. You know, uh, we interviewed a starting linebacker for the Chargers last year. And um, asked him about, like, what are the key things when it comes to unity in the locker room? And first words out of his mouth, humility. Wow. And uh, he talked about um, Justin Habert, the the quarterback there, and his humility Hmm. and how that leads in the locker room and brings unity. And, you know, it's just... And that's what, of course, Jesus did, right? (laughs) He was was the humblest of all leaders, you know, you think of Philippians 2. And um, so, yeah, that that just so resonates, man. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's a well, huge learning. And and a, and a credit to, I mean, so many people. Yemi, who's now the mayor at Colorado Springs, Stu Davis, and and Brady. You know, the pastor that's been there at New Life now for sixteen years. He came in very intentionally, saying he didn't want to lead the local pastors network. So someone else was take took the leadership of that. And it's you know New Life would be the, the you know maybe the largest church in the city but but instead of kind of leveraging that or saying therefore we should lead this initiative 
it's really better to let others step in and lead it. And what made the genius of "Cause I Love You" was it took it out of the it took it out of the hands of local church pastors. Mm. So, as much as people want humility, Ian, you know this better than better than most people. Like egos get in the way with pastors sometimes, you know. And so the blessing of a trellis, the blessing of a "Cause I Love You," is you can say, "Come on, guys." We're not interested in any church's name getting the win here. You know, we just want to work together. And so it's beautiful. Yeah. How did you see the environment in Colorado Springs change, like in the following years after people started working together? I mean, it, it, it changed the tone among pastors with each other. It became less competitive. You know, you're, you're running into each other at these events, these because I love you things. But I also think just even on beyond the Christian community, Caton, like... It was really helpful for the community to see that that the church cared about actual people and actual problems yeah. in our city. Um, I think I think it's easy, and I say this as a pastor. It's easy for pastors and churches to be so sort of abstract, you know, like we're talking about heaven hell type issues sometimes, or pastors fall in the pitfall of like national agenda kind of stuff or culture war kind of stuff. And and man, for for people all around us. They're, that's not what they're thinking about. They're thinking about real uh, problems of, of how we're going to pay the bills or how we're going to feed or how we're, you know. And if the church can't step in and show uh, that we know about, care about, and can help, um, what are we doing? You know, why are we here in these communities? <laughs> mm-hmm. so. And I think it's so important, too, like what you were mentioning, the pastors coming together really changed the city. Mm-hmm. I think we need to acknowledge as well that the church communities themselves will change when the pastor leads the way in unity. So what was that experience like for you at New Life, like Mm. with your specific community and how did that change? That's a really good question and a really insightful thing too, because you're right. The goal is for, for even the people. Um, I mean, just, just being able to cheer on other churches and, and knowing that on a couple of times a year when you'd be at these serve projects, just as one example, and to know that you're serving shoulder to shoulder with someone in another church, and maybe even breaking down the stereotypes that you might have of of of, uh, of a particular tradition or denomination that's mm-hmm. different from yours, um, I think is super helpful. Or we we would do these, you know, like the night before. I don't know if they still do it the same way, but like the night before the serve day, you know, have a worship night, and you'd have a band that was a mix of people from different churches, which is hard, you know, former worship leader here, that's a logistical it's nightmare, hard, you know, yeah. to get, mm-hmm. and, and you'd have different pastors speak, and, but the, the, there is a way that it becomes more than token, mm-hmm. it actually becomes a representative thing, it becomes a spiritual thing, mm-hmm. and for believers to, to tear down the walls, I will say, there were a few occasions where there were some tensions between one or two churches, mm. and it was that built-up um, equity of relationship mm-hmm. that allowed even some "cause mm. I love you" leaders to help broker healing and address mm. some of that situation. So you, you're just building that. You're, you're just building up that reservoir of relationship. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be moments where it's tested and you're going to need to draw from it, and it's helpful. Yeah, it's actually good sometimes to have some tension because it's as you go through that tunnel of chaos, you actually become closer, right? Yeah. We see that in our marriages. We see that in family. Relationships require going through stuff together. Mm. So sometimes we get afraid of that, but we don't need to be, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well said. Tunnel of chaos. I like that one, Ian. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. So, Glenn, you're you, you, we're talking some about the city here, but you're also leading in a local church mm. congregation. Um, 
What is it like for you? Like, as you're trying to facilitate unity mm. in a congregation, mm. you have a little bit more intimacy and mm. control mm. in that environment sure. than maybe in the city, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so tell us, you know, in this rapidly changing world and, Mm. Uh, you know, you wrote the book, The Resilient Pastor, <laughs> to help pastors who are yeah. trying to do this. So what are what are some insights you would share for pastors yeah. to be resilient in even leading oh. in their congregation and oh, facilitate man. unity? You know, Ian, it, it's funny because I, there's so many times where I keep, I, every time this comes up, the resilient, um, the, the subject of resilience, I very quickly want to say, I believe as a Christian that resilience is a work of grace, mm. that it's not simply like a synonym for grit. You know, mm. like as, yeah. a, as a Christian, I think it's more <laughs> like the fruit of the spirit of perseverance or long suffering or endurance, you know. Yeah. So sometimes what resilience looks like is just being long suffering, <laughs> is being willing to just stay by God's grace and be mm. patient with people. And honestly, like talk in the subject of unity, that's what we're encouraging our people to do is to say, you know, a consumer mindset or an individualistic mindset says, what's in it for me? And if I don't find the payoff or the benefit, psh, I'm out, you know, or if the programs change or the music <laughs> changes or whatever, you know, yeah. instead of saying, do you know what? The only way to last is if we're together. Mm -hmm. and the, But the only way to be together is to learn how to be patient and to be forgiving and to be all the things in Ephesians 4, tenderhearted, you know. Um, and so, Ian, I, it, it, just as you said about church leaders, you have to go through some of that conflict in order to get to the other side of that. How much more is that true even in a local congregation? Absolutely. And my, my heart is just to help all of us understand that church is many things, but we're supposed to be the sort of family of God. And that means you don't, there is no community without commitment. And so there, there, mm, the, 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 the gift of a local church is that you, theoretically, we're supposed to be gathering together with regularity. We're supposed to be in each other's homes. We're supposed to, you know, and if we won't commit to that, we don't actually get yeah. community. Yeah, mm -hmm. so good. We got, that's gold. <laughs> no community without commitment. Yeah. And I think for our, or for maybe my generation specifically, I'm in my early 20s, that is such an important concept for people to learn because I think that there is very rarely a, a hard ask of our generation, people mm. asking them to commit yeah. to many things. And yeah. um, when it is done, I think it's often met with hostility, like yeah. any sort of commitment to yeah. something in a long period of time. Yeah. I think it, it might also be because um, maybe the way that jobs function are, are sure. different now and the way that people excel in their careers is a lot different from how it was before. Um, but I, I just so appreciate what mm. you mentioned about that, too, because even in my community, I go to Genesis Costa Mesa yeah, great uh, church. over by kind of Rudolph area. Uh -huh. And Chris always talks about the same thing. Like we have to be committed to each other or yes. else there's no community. Right. And we have to be willing to give something of ourselves to see this flourish and yes. to see it grow. Which I just to add a caveat, I, I we we're living in an age where we're more aware than ever of all the scandals and all the abuses of power and all that. So there's a way of inviting commitment or demanding commitment that can be abusive, that can be controlling, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I want to stay far away from that. I also want to be aware that people have been hurt by that. And so I, I think it's always got to be modeled by, by the way or modeled after the way Jesus did it. It's invitational, mm -hmm. you know. Um, 
if you want this, come on, take up your cross and and, and yeah. follow me. You know, it's not going to be easier. We're gonna. I mean, look, even the early. I, I actually find some strange comfort that even in the Book of Acts doesn't shy away from telling us stories of relationships that suffered and struggled, and you know, mm-hmm. just to say this is not automatic. This is not easy. But by God's grace, we are better together, and we can. Uh, but you don't get you don't get to the fruit of the spirit if you don't stay committed in a relationship. Yeah. How do you get to love? How do you get to joy? How do you get to peace if you don't actually stay in that soil, stay in that garden, and watch what the Holy Spirit can do? Absolutely. So good. So you just moved here with your family from Colorado Springs, and I wanted to ask, what has been uh, maybe your favorite part, and then some <laughs> of the challenges in joining a new community, maybe like getting a sense for what the community here is doing. Mm. Um, what, what's been your journey uh, as you've kind of transitioned here? You know, it's been way better than we thought. And we were sort of bracing because we were told, you know, a move like this in our 40s, this, is, this can be a tricky thing. But people have been so kind. People have been so warm. Uh, we have felt very loved. We've actually felt like at Rock Harbor, we've felt like family very quickly. Um, obviously there's all the little delights that everybody loves about Southern California. We love it too, the weather and being able to ride bikes and get to the beach and all of that. All the cool, interesting restaurants, you know, you should never eat at a chain restaurant if you can avoid it, you know, like there's so many local places. Uh, I mean, I think, I think the challenges sometimes is just a lot of people are in established rhythms and established communities. And so figuring out where to, to, to invest in, in that. And I think acknowledging that it takes a long time to become old friends, as the saying goes, you know. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. there's no way to fast track that. And so just even slowing down my own clock, accepting the limitations of saying, it's just going to take time to keep keep building, yeah. And I think that's similar to what you were saying before, that there is no way around unity except for like time built and relational equity built as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, as we were talking about Rock Harbor, I was just thinking... Um, what are some of the things that you would like to unite your community around and mm-hmm. how can maybe some other pastors, maybe mm-hmm. um, maybe you can model that as uh, many pastors are transitioning you know, across the country. Yeah. Um, what are some of the principles or things that you're wanting to unite your community around? I think, um, I think one of the things that has been, there's probably two things, there's probably more, but the two that come to mind that have been a point of focus over this, course of this first year, our first year here, um, one has been prayer. And and really, you know, Kate, and I know this is close to your heart because it's what you do, but but uh, I can't remember where I heard this, but someone said years ago, uh, I heard the phrase, if you don't teach your church how to pray, you're going to have to entertain them. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know who said, but it sounds like, you know, it's a, it's a wise thing. Claim and it, I, Glenn. Glenn yeah. Pack. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> definitely not me. But I, I believe it, you know. And I think Rock Harbor is a praying church. It is a worshiping church. It's one of the things we love about it, uh, and we want to keep cultivating that. And yeah. so, one of the places of emphasis has been to help us continue to grow in all kinds of prayer, mm-hmm. um, from contemplative prayers, you know, ancient prayers to what could be called more charismatic, spontaneous type prayer. And to help people grow in that corporate prayer, individual prayer. And so, you know, it came out in a series that we did on the Lord's Prayer. It's coming out now as we do a series on the Psalms. It's come out in different sort of prayer emphasis weeks. But just to to stir the ground of prayer in the church, I think that's been really huge. Mm-hmm. But the second thing uh, has been to help people do the work of unpacking their own kind of emotional uh, health and mm-hmm. 
and and reactivity. And every church has been through it the last few years, you know, with mm-hmm. pandem- the pandemic and all of that. Political tensions, racial tensions, all that stuff. I think Rock Harbor had another layer because of transitions and because of of th- that instability. Um, and so when you come into a group of people who are weary, but not just weary, but some are also wounded, we need to be able to do the work of allowing the Holy Spirit into those tender places of our heart. And so I'm so grateful for, we have a great team here who 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 has been running these courses, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality courses. And boy, I, I love plugging those courses and inviting people into those practices because a healthy individual is going to make for a healthy family, which is going to make for a healthy church. It's gonna, you know, and on and on it goes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that what you were mentioning about the value of the different expressions of prayer is like, like you said, so close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I actually find really challenging is convincing, like the far side of the um, maybe a little more liturgical expression mm-hmm. that there's value in the charismatic <laughs> and convincing the charismatic yes. that there's value in the liturgical. So what's been your journey with uniting those two? Because because <laughs> I would love to see our whole, the, the whole body of Christ united together, especially around prayer. So I'll just use a metaphor here. I, I, I think sometimes the tradition that you come from at some point can lose its power or freshness for you, especially as a leader. It's like you're, imagine someone's, you know, dipping a bucket into a well and you're helping everyone else get a drink. And after a while, you're like, ah, this old well, you know? And so then you discover another well and you're like, oh my goodness, I never knew about this. Mm. And here's the temptation. The temptation is to then criticize the old well because you discovered something new. Mm-hmm. And so you begin to poison the well, which is actually perfect a perfectly good well, but you're poisoning the well for others. And this is this is where this happens. I came from more of a charismatic stream and then over the last 10 years helped introduce new life to some of the liturgical expressions. But in my early years of doing that, I think I was guilty of poisoning the well of quote unquote modern worship and you know I was kind of like uh you know this these songs or these bands what we really need is these mm-hmm. prayers and you know and realizing, how, hang on a minute, the Holy Spirit, it's the same groundwater, if you will, you know, and the water table is the Holy Spirit's life, and, and, and people are going to access it in different ways, and sometimes if you've only known one, you need to be introduced to some, some other ones, too. So, that's a great analogy. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you, you came here with your family as well, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was some unity you had to work through in the family in making such a big transition. Yeah. So yeah. are there a few things even with your family that you've learned on unity and in, in making this transition and, yeah. and through your journey? You know, Ian, I, I uh, we are trusting the grace of God for the long range sort of story. You know, you 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 never know like you know all all the things they're gonna feel about this down the road. But we're very grateful that for now everyone's doing really well. Um, And I say that because, you know, life is full of, there's no guarantees in all of it. But what we really were committed to doing was inviting our kids to discern and hear the Lord with us. And so you even invited them into prayer as a family, back to what you were just talking about. Like it's a principle that carries through whatever area, right? That's a great point. Yes. Um, And it's also why we took so long. I mean, I I think by the... it was about 10 months or so of, of discernment because we wanted them to pray. And we said, you, you, you pray, you ask the Lord. And, you know, one or two of the kids were like, this is the Lord, let's wow. do it. You know, and then one was like, I don't know. Or 
um, I think God is gonna quote unquote make us do this, but I'm angry about it, you know. Wow. And so then, and then, so then, my wife and I were like, "Well, Lord, please turn their heart." But we didn't give our yes until we all came out here together as a family. This was May, end of May of 2022, and every night we I, we would do this check in and we'd say, "Okay, do you feel a red light, yellow light, green light?" And by the end of it, they were like, "It's green." Like we feel like this is what the Lord is calling us into, and. And not that oh it's going to be easy or whatever, but this is what we're supposed to do. And so, it was cool because you know, did they get a vote? Like not technically. Like you know, my wife and I, we wanted to be in agreement, but did they have a voice? Yes. And I think that's a cool principle in parenting and in leadership is even when people can't have a vote, try to give them a voice. It's so good. That's it's just so great for. Our- our folks to hear. And, and honestly, we love doing interviews like this mm. because we want to interview people who are champions mm. and ones who are fighting for unity, mm. whether it's their family, their church, their congregation, their mm. city. Mm. Like that's what this, this uh, podcast is that. all about. Man, you I know? love that. How do we encourage more people to fight for unity like you have been doing? So thank you for your leadership. Oh, Listen, At all of these levels. Uh, you're kind. I mean, yeah. I I have made a lot of mistakes over the years, Ian. You we know, and I'm have. learning, and I'm learning how to be better. You know, being a leader, like being a parent, you have more influence in people's lives than you would like. Sometimes, you carry more weight. You carry your words carry more weight. You carry more power than than you're aware of. And I was just telling my wife today. I said, I think being a leader and being a parent means apologizing a lot. You know, because mm. you're like, I I didn't, you know you say something that you mean to be a tap and it feels more like a shove mm. or you, you know, and, and, and to be able to say, wow, I didn't realize the impact of, of this or that. I'm so sorry. Or, you know, and, uh, but that, okay. Again, going back to the humility thing, yes, right? Sir. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah, so so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Glenn, for hopping on this podcast with us. We're going to wrap up because we're hitting the 30-minute mark, but we want to just ask, what are the final thoughts that you would mm-hmm. give to the audience before we leave? Well, I love the title and the aim of this podcast, Better Together. I do believe that with all my heart. I think you know, part of being resilient, if it is a work of grace, part of being resilient, part of, part of how God gives us the grace of resilience is through others. It's through a community and so many leaders are alone and lonely. And I, I've really come to believe that we need a constellation of relationships around us. Mm. We need peers. We need people that we're investing in. But we need sages. Sometimes we need therapists and counselors. I mean, we need a whole constellation of relationships. And so I just want to encourage you, someone who's out there who, who's saying, man, I'm struggling. I don't feel resilient or I don't feel, you know, um, to say... Uh, what if God wants to meet you with his grace through the gift of new partnerships, new friendships, um, new, new relationships that could actually uh, make you better? That's so great, Glenn. Well, thank you guys so much for having on the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed. We'd love to invite you to join our Better Together family, which is partnering with us financially to help this podcast continue. And if you guys would love to um, get in touch with us, you can also do that by emailing me at katen at wearetrellis.com and ian at wearetrellis.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh, look forward to talking to you again next month as we drop a new podcast. Thank you.